0: Welcome to Dynasty As They Want To Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well, and I'm getting into the message.
0: Mute. What is going on over there? Your phone is like... (sighs)
1: <sighs> shit is blowing up in town. Apparently the hood has got a sex, uh, a- sexual conflagration
0: what the fuck are you talking about
1: i wish i knew what the fuck these people were talking about because it's like been going on all afternoon all over my phone this is why you do not subscribe to apps that are going to blow up your phone about things that really don't matter but are kind of like mildly amusing in some way so mm. say what yeah that's that's what they say that's what <laughs> who
0: i'm not going to call them out oh this is on the next door app. yes yes you next didn't door. say that next you didn't door. say that yes okay so you're on the next door app and that's what's blowing up your phone and interrupting our podcast <laughs> recording uh more or less essentially yes Okay, so what's happening? I'm confused.
1: Has anyone heard the loud sex sounds coming <laughs> from the Rossmore slash Melrose slash Clinton slash Larchmont area?
0: No, 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 no.
1: I swear I'm really, really losing my mind trying to find where this sex stampede is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's not my building because I've done the all hours investigating, but it is, however, plaguing my life and living situation. It's all hours, all hours, but mostly heard loudest at late hours slash early morning. Anyone, someone, please help me figure
0: this out. Wait, so somebody has an issue with sex noises but they're not coming from their building it's like an adjacent building are you talking eyes wide shut style with like 100
1: people there all we hear in our neighborhood is somebody's annoying dog barking at 2 a.m honestly it's not okay i totally understand people were screaming are you okay we honestly thought someone was being injured oh there's there's more coming in oh my god Uh, David Lynch should just record all this. Um, and I'm kind of like, I'm ready for, so is David Lynch apparently for the David Lynch take on all of this. I Like, like how
0: your phone never makes noises, but now that this like sex noise gate is going on, you're just allowing your phone to blow up in your pocket all day long. Sorry, I can't
1: offer you any relief, but I'd rather loud sex noises than sounds of domestic violence.
0: Uh, I I actually agree with
1: that I agree with that in fact when you get to the bottom of it pun intended can you also see if there's (laughs) any vacancies
0: (laughs) lol so wait what are who's caught I have so many questions so is it a man and a man or a man and a woman like are they what are the the description of the sex noises
1: oh my god this sounds so icky and awful can the police get involved (laughs) It's not
0: violence,
1: right? Like, this is consensual sex noises? I wonder if someone is watching porn with the sound turned up very (gasps) loud.
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not actual noise. Maybe it is recorded. It's a pre-recorded sex noise. This thread is everything. So, wait. What are the sex noises that have spurred the community to action so? Oopsies. I guess I didn't realize I was that loud. Lol. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of when we lived in brooklyn and there was a sex noise situation in our building you know what i'm talking about right oh
1: yeah how could i ever forget
0: that one time on like a saturday night we were laying we lived in like um a loft we were style. lucky if it was a saturday night i think it was a freaking tuesday night no something. no no. it was definitely a saturday because we had gone out and and it was late at night and we lived in like a loft style building. I know you know this, but I'm just describing it for the listeners. But we lived in like a loft style building with like what? 15 feet high ceilings, like super high. Oh, these. Yeah, at least 15 or 20, like super high. And then our I don't like, think there even was a ceiling. <laughs> and then our like our bed was like up. Above, like in a little nook that had been built into the walls, and that night we had gone out. I remember, and we we drank a little or whatever, and uh, we were laying in bed, and then we just hear our neighbors, who we weren't friends with or anything, and we just hear. I'd never seen these people in my life. I'd seen them before. I knew who they were. Are you but sure about that? Positive. And then we just hear. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> and that was the same person making both noises like this
1: oh yeah i remember this like but that like went on for like a good 12 minutes oh right? my god
0: no we were laying there and i he, was
1: admiring him her stamina i don't know what the frick was going it on just kept but going on and on
0: it's <laughs> 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 a it like, guttural like punctuation at the end of it and we were just laying there, and like obviously we could not go to sleep. And I'm we're we're kind of like snickering, and it's like, what do you do? You can't go to sleep. You hear your neighbors like fucking so hard, and then somebody else knocks on their door. Go away. Yeah. Oh, we forgot the the bed. It sounded like a creaky bed. <gasps> <laughs> 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 like the night 19- it was like I I envisioned like a bed from like Little House on the Prairie, like I'm like the first ever <laughs> wah, wah, iron wah, wah, bed from the nineteen twenties. Like Go <laughs> Away And then just silence. Like Clearly she was embarrassed for these like beastie noises that she was making. Ugh. And then like I'll never forget like the next morning or maybe like two mornings. Oh after, my god, it was the worst. I was on the at the subway stop. And then she just You was, could see you them You could see them You could tell And it's like You're the ones that You're make the mousy librarian Crazy sex noises And he's the little
1: short dude Who pretends to ride a motorcycle
0: A scooter It was a scooter You were the guys
1: Making all that freaking hocus pocus next door
0: Yeah And it's like I wanna be like Good for you I'm glad you're having Great sex like that But then it's like uh, You're just being A little weird exhibitionist Like you're getting off on that Like You're not actually receiving receiving pleasure from making such animalistic noises. Oh, you're receiving pleasure. Come on.
1: You liked it? Me? I'm here on the stand to testify. Ugh.
0: Perjured. Ugh. Anyway, this is we're going to I mean, we're always explicit, but this is definitely going to be our most explicit episode. We were literally moaning into the microphones. Okay, let's <laughs> take a break. Let's cleanse our palates. Hot let's get into this week's episode. There was no sex, but there was a lot of pregnancy talk and um, uh, an apparent drowning. Anyway, let's take a break and we'll get into it. Welcome back.
1: So I think this episode like got so much going on, as look the last couple episodes have, but this one seems to be more... Uh, tuned into
0: what's happening thematically, and yeah, no, we really get Crystal getting mixed the fuck up with Claudia Blaisdell in like she is just playing with fire. She, she is. This is way above her pay grade. Crystal cannot handle the craziness that is Claudia Blaisdell. And the fact that Claudia Blaisdell is now living in the Carrington mansion under suicide watch is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It's cuckoo bananas.
1: And also, like, she and Claudia now, like, have eliminated Matthew Blaisdell, who was their one connection, right? So now it's just the two of them, that are left pining well, over and the their last lover. Well, the
0: edges are frayed. Like Claudia is on edge. Like she literally tried to kill herself, and may try to do it again as everybody is freaked out by. And Crystal, why do you think that Crystal wants to like connect with Claudia? I would just like leave the bitch upstairs and room. I, I just guest room twenty nine. I
1: I think that. She and Claudia have both like listed after Matthew and or honestly, like if we were fair, Claudia was married to Matthew and invested part of her life with him. But Claudia puts it
0: simply and actually as crazy fucking shit as Claudia is, she has got her head on straight and sees things the way they are. She tells Crystal, I have lost everything. And you have lost nothing. We both had affairs. So this, we both stepped out, and I am the one that's completely suffering. And that's is this, why is this so, is
1: this like an like a, a justification for outsider behavior? Because I feel like Claudia has like seriously like she's like full on three ring circus bonkers. Oh,
0: I do think that we are seeing the depths of. Depravity that have been in Claudia's mental health issues that have only been spoken about in passing. Like her, the reason for her going to the sanitarium, like we have only kind of heard about it here and there. Matthew said the kind of thing about her seeing bats and thinking people were for listening sure. On you the are phone. seeing
1: it here, You're live seeing it. in living color, in like, living color.
0: Yeah.
1: Claudia, I have no idea where they are, and if I did, I wouldn't keep it from you. Believe me. Believe you. Look, you and me, we did the same thing, right? We did the same thing. We had an affair. You've still got everything. I've got nothing, nothing. I don't have my husband. I don't have my daughter. I've got me.
0: Look at me. Which isn't very much, is it? Is it? I mean, she takes that rose vase that Crystal spends, you know, 25% of the episode working on with the maid, Jeanette, and she throws it against the fucking wall. I mean, I would have liked to have actually. Well, you seen hear it. Her. You don't
1: know that that's really what happened. Yeah, I would have
0: liked to have seen so some it's more. It's all a matter of perception, physicality with that vase. But she definitely is past at crystal. Well, Claudia might be
1: her own three ring circus, but she's certainly a one track mind. She is all obsessed about where is my daughter? Where Where's my Lindsay? Baby? Yeah. And you know what? I don't think she's ever going to get the answer to that question. And it's, I don't know, it's supposed
0: to drive the narrative. I don't really want the answer. I'm glad that her daughter's gone. And I wish she would just kind of accept it and move on. And I don't think that it's an, I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But it, it really makes her nutso. Like, and we've, like but you said, Tyler, like we've not that's seen her until now. that's how you're like, a mother and you have a daughter even though she didn't really want that baby because she had her when she was 16 or whatever. whatever. Well, this
1: leads us into a whole other question about parenthood and, you know, desires and instincts and blah, blah, blah. But that's, I don't
0: want to get into that. Well, let's get into it because Jeff gets into it with Fallon. Mm -hmm. Jeff, who has been super duper himbo, stupid tofu, whatever well confronts- he's living,
1: he's barely a sperm donor in that relationship because like she's playing tennis with a freaking robot
0: she would do a lot more with the robot i think if the technology had well, been that the advanced in 1981 shooting
1: stuff at her and you know she's balls you mean? Rece- yeah sure so like there's something <laughs> going on there i don't know but and he's like well wait a minute did you just like have this baby because or Get Prego because
0: yeah he puts it together because he talks to Crystal. this to me is like
1: what is a strike two strike three
0: oh it's like strike forty two like he, get rid of he her puts up with why are so you married to her shit. I don't know I think it's some sort of weird end game and he thinks he needs to be involved with the power of the Carringtons I don't know but anyway he talked to Crystal. He figured out she's pregnant. Of course, Fallon didn't reveal that to him. And then Jeff, who seems well, like a Crystal dumb dumb. because Crystal and Jeff are
1: both powerless in their positions. So that's the way that they exchange that information, right? Uh You know, Fallon is, like, clearly in the power position in her marriage. and Blake. Yeah, she's the, a
0: shot caller, for so, sure.
1: Yeah, so, like, that, I think, is why... He didn't know about it. And it took Crystal telling him that, you know, she was pregnant.
0: But I do like that he put it together. He was like, oh, wait a minute. That's why she was jumping on my D at the Mm -hmm. motel. Like, normally I would think that he wouldn't even put that together. But at least he did. Chicken and pate. Right. Mm, A jar of olives and some wine and, you know, inseminate me. But, yeah, he puts that together. And he's like, what are you? What are you trying to do?
1: Maybe you can arrange to have it premature and beat Crystal to the punch. Jeff, if that's what you think. I mean, that's ridiculous. If that's what you really think. Maybe having a baby with me is a mistake. Isn't that such an eighties so, capitalist greed like ideology? It's like
0: have just, the baby before anybody else. Can, I mean, it's a disgusting know? thought, because having yeah, a baby of course. prematurely of like, not little is of
1: a little bit of a little
0: he stitches it all together and good for him. But he also, it's like t- too little, too late. Like he already, you know, finished. Which is funny because he's like
1: sort of like prancing around this whole episode in this like pastel pink sweater, which I realize this is like the early to mid eighties. And like pastel pink was like a thing that men were wearing sometimes that they were yuppies probably. And it's like juxtaposed with like the blue room in the dining room and then the bedroom. And, and then, like, there's like the whole thing with like Jeanette. She's wearing the same color as the dining room, so she just sort of blends into the walls. Question:
0: How is Jeanette still on staff at the Carrington Mansion? I think I think Jeanette's she, under the radar. She testified against Blake. At the murder trial,
1: she's got something on all of them. That's what I think. Is and that
0: not a fireable
1: offense? It's not if you've got blackmail material. So, well, good I think for Jeanette. Yeah, she's just gonna sit back and serve croissants. Job security. Her, you know, her blue outfit's gonna match the blue walls, and she's gonna blend in the way that she's always done.
0: Jeanette, yes, Mrs. Carrington.
1: Who is mistress of this house? You are, ma'am.
0: Thank you, Jeanette. I do love that we have the return of Cecil Colby, or as Alexis Carrington calls him, Cecil Colby. That is probably the received pronunciation Mm -hmm. of Cecil. Cecil. And finally, Lord fucking Bochner gets in them opening credits, which he never did during season one, right? Mm, I th- no, I think he wasn't. Uh, no. You know what? You're right. Maybe don't he wasn't. I think he was. was kind of mentioned
1: in the ending credits, and now here he is finally. Yeah.
0: Finally, he gets his place rightfully so in those beginning credits. Dr. Nicholas Toscani can go fuck off, but yeah, Lloyd Bauchner- I would actually
1: move him right up with like, he's at least Joan Collins level, if not... Pamela Bellwood's level, like acting-wise. and and, and, and
0: also starring. Not a a special guest star, but an also starring. But yeah, he comes in and he gets in the mix of it with Alexis, which I love. So apparently he was part of this whole 16 years ago brouhaha with them. And she confronts him with the startling revelation that he is Fallon's father. Well, Charity was trying to bring this up
1: earlier, but then she was like, well, let's just drink some more champagne. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, but little did we
0: know that Cecil Colby was the sperm donator. Well, but
1: this kind of like links up to the thing that Cecil and Blake were talking about at the tarmac at the airport. You're powerfully convincing when it's in your own interest.
0: Now, couldn't you have used a little of that talent for me? I tried, believe me. But how do I convince people that a verdict of guilty is anything but that? The same way you get everything else you want from people, by
1: convincing them that your point of view is more profitable than theirs. And that's a hundred percent what Alexis is doing with Cecil in her painter's studio, Pieta Terre, whatever the frick, next to the Carrington Mansion. And she's like exercising the same political dynamic with
0: him i'm not believing it i'm not buying it in what way it's just too unbelievable and it just seems too convenient like she needs this leverage to get in with everybody
1: right but that's the whole thing about a point of view that's a subjective uh, place of negotiation and she's
0: presenting this point of view well like, the facts don't totally line up because she no they don't that's, when that's, she that's the great thing to, about points of view when she talks to Blake she's like remember our honeymoon on Corfu and he's like no no <laughs> Yeah, no, that's
1: it's funny, but it also kind of
0: feeds back to the same idea. Yeah, but she's like, like yeah, no, he doesn't I, remember. No. I went and fucked somebody else, and then when she's talking to Cecil Colby, she's like, "Well, do you remember when we had that affair?" And he's like, "Yeah, that, that was a one night. That stand. one night that I boned you. Yeah, I remember." And she's like, "Well, that is hardly a bargaining chip. Um, that was the night that lady. I got impregnated with Fallon." And I love that. Like, he's like, "Wait a minute." I made out with her and went on a date with her and we almost boned, which I guess that answers our question from the first season, whether or not they did or they didn't, because this ABC soap opera probably wasn't prepared to deal with incest yet. So, Well,
1: okay, that's a thing we'll get to in a minute, but I I just feel like this really sets up Alexis's total political dynamic and the show. She's doing something that really nobody else is doing and like Blake talks about it, but she's doing it. Well, or Blake does it and we don't see it or hear You're right. Yeah. It. Maybe yeah. it's kind of in like behind the scenes, but like here it's played for drama mm-hmm. and she is like clearly established that she is a person who sort of speaks in countertones and, and contextuality and never quite gets like directly to the point. But then like that's how like she operates and like in this is really the first episode where you really see Alexis become working what everybody associates with Alexis. Yes. Working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because this is like, okay, she's no longer like she's thrown off the shroud of being like mother to Steven and trying to reconcile with her daughter Fallon. Now it's just like, she's just like straight up going to scheme and connive uh, but she's not going to like go straight for it. You well, know? and it's
0: just like I was saying last week. Like, she started in the back of the house and she worked her way up through the maid and then the mistress and the major domo. And now, like, Cecil, like, she's working outside of the house and it's flawed. Well, this is when that
1: strategy really becomes. These people are too
0: yes. dumb to deal with her. They even are. Even if she's lying, and I'm not sure she is or not, and I'll reserve judgment on that. But even if everything that she's saying. Is a fib, as she says in the beginning of the episode. It doesn't matter because they're all buying it because they're all dum dums and they don't understand any Machiavellian strategy, art of war. It's it's
1: even more than Machiavellian. Like, that's like the foundation. But then, like, she's also like saying these things to Cecil in terms of like being a painter. So it's all sort of like sketchy, literally, and sort of like watercolored, right? And so, again, this is like, this is her her like political scheme like she sort of like works in the background and on the outside and just says nice things but then like oh she says that nice thing to like Cecil at the end before he leaves don't force me to tell Blake that you're his darling daughter's real father Fair.
0: one night she and I nearly went to bed together <laughs> How deliciously May, December. And I do like that she still is sparring with Crystal, and Crystal is holding her own more than I thought she would, but... I don't think that she
1: is, actually, because, no? like... Again, she shows up at Dr. Toscani's hot tub oasis. She's, like, talking about this friend of hers having an affair, but, oh,
0: it's actually just me. I do think the relationship between Crystal and Dr. C- Toscani... The Olive Garden doctor is really bizarre, and I can't wrap my head around it. Is it flirtatious? Is it professional? Like she's not willing to reveal certain details to him that she's pregnant or that she fucked around with Matthew Blaisdell. He kind of figures it out, which is good because he's a doctor and he's perceptive. So he under he does quickly realize that she's pregnant and that she is the one that she's referring to herself. She
1: kind of puts that in his pipe to smoke though. I mean, she's like, Oh, you know, what about if somebody had an affair with, and then she's like, well, it was me.
0: Yeah. So in her, in her conversations with him, I feel like Linda Evans has more lines in that scene than she's had in the entirety of this whole show in the first like season and a couple of episodes. Like she really has a lot to say to Dr. Toscani and doesn't actually have a lot to say.
1: She just suffers from being a vulnerable character, and that's why she just does not have the courage of her own convictions. And I think that at some level, she's relinquished Matthew, and so now she needs somebody to take that place. It ain't going to be Blake because Blake's looks more in the background in her
0: life. And so now it's going to be Dr. Toscani. But I think Dr. Toscani. And again, he has his ulterior motive, which doesn't get mentioned at all in this episode, but I think maybe he sees something in her or some way to get in. And maybe the way in is putting a grape, a grape in, grape her in her mouth. mouth. Like
1: that's, that was a little misogynistic AF. Ugh. Yeah.
0: That was so weird. If some random man that I just met a couple of days ago, Linda Evans played
1: that as, What are you doing? Like, it wasn't
0: Crystal, it was Linda Evans. Like, What are you doing? (laughs)
1: Like, that was like a bad acting
0: choice. I I know know that that I've made like comments about her and Blake possibly being into BDSM. But, like, food fetishes is not part of it. No, that's, it, that's where
1: she draws the
0: line. Yeah, it was too much. It was very weird. What was also weird is the fact that Alexis pushed Cecil Colby to go confront Stephen Carrington about this whole business about him being taken out of the will. Which is really Alexis's like driving motivation. Like she's got this piece of information now, and she's gonna do anything that it takes to convince Blake or Steven or Cecil or whoever will listen for them to mend that bridge and it, it, it without really is, her being directly
1: involved. It really, yes, and it is hers to be earned because Blake doesn't want that. Steven doesn't want that. Cecil's like, Well, if you're going to blackmail mail me, I guess I can take Stephen to the St. Dennis Club and have a conversation.
0: Well, I do like that when Cecil goes to meet with Stephen, he does present it in his own terms that this is in my interest because the businesses can combine and I can become even richer than I already am. So I want you to make sure that you have a good relationship with your father. And Stephen is so hung up on this fact that his sister probably isn't really his full-fledged sister, at least just his half-sister. And it's distressing him. And he's not even able to kind of like have an adult conversation about it.
1: But I think it's, I don't know, like in a weird way, there's an about face and like he and his sister like reunite in this episode, which we always said was like the sort of like gooey center To a very hardened candy that is called Dynasty.
0: No, it is sweet that they reconnect, but I do feel weird about it because he has information.
1: Well, and also they're doing it while he's wearing a weird chef colored denim (laughs) shirt and she's got the purpley verruca salt and shoulder pad thing going on like it's it's all i don't know like maybe maybe the clothes are not part of it but they are for me so
0: yeah it is definitely weird reconciliation uniforms to be wearing but that's the choices they made when they woke up that morning and i don't know i want to be happy about it because i do feel like they're the only two characters that actually like each other but then he's doing it from a point of view of knowing that she isn't really his bloodline anymore. Which, can we just say, like, if this was going on oh, today... But how do we know that?
1: Is that true or not?
0: Well, I mean... This is what Alexis does. We're just taking that at value. To people and to this show. She well, introduces
1: basically what we would call trolling and gaslighting. And, like, well... Is she her father's daughter or is she not? Well, you know?
0: darling, 23 and me don't exist in 1981 when this is going on. So it's not an open and shut case. We just kind of have to go on what people are saying. They can't saying. go on Phil Donahue. So that's just going to keep the drama going. Is she or isn't she? I don't know what to believe. Well, there's this whole other
1: sort of theme that runs through this episode, which is like wine and roses.
0: I like those. And
1: pools. Um, and them too. So everybody's apparently hung over this episode. Maybe you don't realize it or put it together, but, you know, Fallon and Jeff wake up in the morning.
0: Yeah, after their motel fuck fest. Right.
1: And yes, that's uh-huh. absolutely what it is. Uh-huh. 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 So they're having a redo of the night before or the morning after or whatever the hell. And she's like, "I can't believe you're not hung over." And then like but then like you've got Claudia who's like recovering from like a stomach pump after a whole day of like the Seco barbital or whatever adventure she went on. So everybody's sort of sort of like recovering from or recoiling from uh usage of drugs and alcohol in this episode so it's interesting mm-hmm. then there's the roses like we had the wine now
0: where's the roses what the frick are the roses so the roses are well, well the roses is on the floor oh, after claudia gets at them well first of all
1: Joni goes and picks all the roses from the garden which, oh that's right at the beginning of the episode that's like a psychological trope from way back like oh you picked all my roses in my garden like what is what does that mean? Well that's that's like my, my dreams, my hopes, my 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 life's investment, and you've come and just taken them all away. Right.
0: And Crystal's pissed about it. Yeah. She even like complains about it, which seems She ain't fronting for that. Like mm-hmm. a silly thing to scoff about.
1: And then And then you've got Crystal bringing the roses. But it's interesting. She brings red roses to Claudia.
0: I know. I thought that was so weird that they were red. It seemed inappropriate considering they both had their vaginas on top of Matthew (laughs) (laughs) Blaisdell.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, right? This is a stand-in for their love for Matthew Blaisdell. They both are standing for Matthew and he's not there and he's gone. And so Crystal's going to bring up a vase of red roses, you know. And Claudia, interestingly, is at at her dressing table or at a dressing table because she don't really live there. And it's I do like
0: how comfortable she's made herself in the Carrington Mansion, though.
1: Well, you know, she's gone on to some other level of mental instability that she's comfortable wherever she is, I
0: think. Good for her. Yeah, and you know what? Live in your own reality. Live your truth. No, that's like I was saying. We're finally getting a taste of... What drove her to the sanatorium? And speaking of crazy stuff, we've got Steven after having one too many at the St. Denis Club. Al Corley is doing his drunkest no, this, is, this is
1: more of that wine and roses crap you know like he's he's just like off his ass on i don't know too it many kind coronas. of comes
0: out of nowhere i had no idea that he had been over served at the saint dennis club but he's in the library with Blake he is and like Al- no bueno at yeah. drunk acting oh no it's really really bad the writing is actually okay yeah. he's not pulling it off it's like comical he's like tripping over furniture and setting his blazer on lamps and he's really trying to sell it and it's like "Mm, too much he does say that fun thing about
1: blood you know the family blood as as he's wearing a red sweater and playing with a dark red blood colored yeah well and i think
0: that was okay but then all of a sudden no
1: his acting kind of like the sort of
0: Uh, it's it's hammy tore up all of the meaning that was it's a christmas ham and then when he runs off down the hallway i thought like he had to puke but then he's just like running and running and running and then nicholas toscani and crystal pull up in not the delorean but in her car crystal's
1: rich bitch 520 sel or whatever yeah
0: and poor drunk steven is just stumbling through the yard hits his head a la Ted Denard on, like, the diving board, and then falls into the pool and is just, like, night-night in the deep end. This just seemed like some little drunken escapade, but it's really serious. Dr. Nicholas Toscani does a Michael Phelps into the fucking pool pulls his ass out and then is doing cpr mouth to mouth which is like i think more than we ever saw ted denard and al corley ever do Uh, this might be our only time that we ever see al corley without a shirt on oh yeah so when he's in the hospital he's all hooked up to the equipment and we see nips out and al corley's chest and i guess he's like near death and joan collins uh Normally she's flawless, but she doesn't really do stressed out hospital mommy well because it's just so melodramatic and so over the top. And she's like, mommy's here. Mommy's here. Can you hear me, Steven? Wake up. Your mommy's here. And then she like goes into Blake's arms and is like, oh, our son. And it's just like. No, no, no! This isn't one life. But to you live. have to wonder:
1: is this just for the optics? Because she does it right there in front of Crystal and Nick Toscani. But who even the ball are bald, fresh off a coffee cup. Even blowjob the in even the, the, the break bald room
0: E.R. doctor isn't buying this schmaltzy routine. At the end, it's so soapy. Like the last ten minutes of this show, like. So many things happen, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And now Stephen Carrington's life is hanging in the balance. I mean, we know he's going to live because he gets replaced with another actor at some point, right? Spoiler alert. I don't
1: think that happens just yet, though. No, I know. I know you're, like, jumping the gun on that one.
0: I know, I know. But I'm just saying I'm not really afraid, and I don't think anybody watching this in... The fall of 81 was really afraid that he was going to die. Or maybe they did. I don't know. But I'm interested to see where it goes because there's a lot of different dynamics at play. And the fact that Cecil Colby is, is in the mix again is really great. And I actually, I hate to say it, but I, I'm kind of not minding Dr. Nicholas Toscani. I think he's providing a interesting outside perspective to the women of Dynasty. Well, he is a lens
1: through which you can see mm-hmm. the story. However, as a character, I find him goddamn annoying.
0: And we're resuscitated. Kyler, what was your look of the week in this week's episode of Dynasty? Um, my look of
1: the week was definitely Stevens bizarro chef- Denim shirt thing in the kitchen with the acid wash. I
0: uh, jeans what was going on? I couldn't wrap my head around no that. No belt on purpose. Might I point out? It literally did look like he just came straight out of Hell's Kitchen with that on. Why was he wearing a shirt? With- I I felt like
1: he like jumped into a pile of clothes in the clearance section at Merry Go Round, and that's, was it supposed
0: you know, to be fashionable?
1: I, I'm sure that it was, and you know maybe it were i i, I you know look it looks good and looks good on him so <laughs> who am i to complain i'm just pointing this out merely as as uh, something a little bit different than everything else that you've seen on this show
0: well it is true steven doesn't really get enough attention for his outfits and i think out of all the male characters he does pull off the most daring looks i think about like Back when the trial was going on, there was a blazer he was wearing that had like a leather patch detail that was sort of interesting. We never talked about that. That leather patch, that's a
1: funereal homage or something or other. Like that's a, you wear it because
0: somebody you loved is dead. Oh, well, like his father was supposed to be because Mm -hmm. he was on trial for first degree murder. In a rare sweep, we have two male characters that have been bestowed with the look of the week. I'm choosing Dr. Nicholas Toscani's tracksuit. We only get a little glimpse of it in the hospital at the very end, but my God, it made such an impact. So it's like a terry, like a gray felt or whatever material, and then it's got bright red details on the shoulders i've never so seen anything like he's this in changing my life. tires on an NASCAR loop yeah you think that he's like a professional race car driver i mean he does drive a delorean well he doesn't just drive
1: a delorean he's always fixing the delorean because uh, yeah. even when it was That's new hot. it was always like under repair daily
0: yeah, and I love that that's, like, a plot line in Dynasty. Like, even Dynasty in 81 realizes how <laughs> shitty the DeLorean was because it's... I think that was shade because, like, Ford provided all of the, like, regular
1: cars. So, they're like, mm, we got to shit on DeLorean. But you I'm want just... want the sexy car? You got to so, be fixing it. I'm know? so
0: confused. So, I love this tracksuit. He's wearing it after all the brouhaha with diving into the water after Steven. But, like... Did he just have this tracksuit in his possession? Did somebody at the hospital provide it? I mean, because he was in Crystal's oh, you, you car. you think this is what
1: they hand out when you walk in the, the hospital? Like, I this, should this hope so. This is your so. sanitary wear? Yeah.
0: Like- oh, you saved a life today? Well, here's a great jumpsuit with bright red shoulder details. But he was in it he wasn't in his own car. He was in Crystal's car. He drove her back to the Carrington mansion and then he saves Steven and then they end up at the hospital. So this can't be a tracksuit that he owns himself, right? So somebody just loaned this to him. I think this is forced logic. I I think it's very possible this is just a tracksuit he has and he wore it and sorry. I mean the only thing that I could think is that he practices at this hospital. And it was like in his office or something. It doesn't matter. It's a hot fucking track suit. I would it's, wear it's it. It's
1: charcoal gray and, and FU orange red. Yeah, it's it's
0: a, certainly a statement of color and silhouette. We've never seen a man on these episodes. Jeff, Blake, Ted Dinard, Cecil Colby, you name it. They are not wearing bright, bold colors like this. So, even though... Yeah, it sounds like Colby was wearing that, like,
1: baggy, like, Telly Savalas trench coat thing on the tarmac. Like, yeah. there's, there's
0: so much bad male clothing on this show. Right. So, the fact that we get, like, a sexy little tracksuit... And I will say, we did see Dr. Nicholas Toscani in some jeans earlier on in the episode. And I have to say, they fit him well.
1: I really still think they were Crystal's jeans. Oh, my. It's, like, some foreshadowing. Of what, I don't know, but...
0: Well, his ass looked great in them. Well, that's another episode of Dynasty as They Want to Be. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me. What an... Episodes. God, the
1: pleasure just never stops.
0: Oh my. Wait, are you still referring to the sex thread that you're reading on the next door app or No, I'm
1: I'm referring to the haystack of Crystal's hairdo with that weird straw
0: colored jacket she wore at the hot tub scene. It's like a big pyramid of hay. You just can't get over that steaming hot tub of Dr. Nicholas Toscani. Well, it's better than a steaming pile of shit, I guess. Well, this episode definitely wasn't that. Thank you so much for listening to Dynasty as they want to be. If you want to follow us on social media, which you should, our handles are Nasty Podcast, N-A-S-T-Y podcast. And we're on Instagram, Twitter... We didn't have like a Pinterest account. We have an Elo account, which I posted on for the first time and actually got a little bit of attention on. Uh We'll see you next week for the episode titled Reconciliation.